want to welcome all of you here tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness and for being here. And um, I think it's going to be kind of a fun and maybe stretching time a bit tonight. So we're ready to hit the button, Mike, unless it's already going. And let's start with prayer. Father, I thank you for those who are here tonight. I ask that you would help us to see you more profoundly and your ways more mysteriously. I ask that all that we say and think and do here tonight would honor you and glorify your name. We put this in your hands, ask that your spirit be in control of what is understood and what is spoken and what is thought uh, this night. I pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, when you look at the Garden of Eden and everything just about that... Um, is profoundly mysterious in our walk with the Lord and in how God uh, deals with us, uh, originates out of the Garden of Eden, uh, the most mysterious place to us this side of heaven, so to speak. This side of the paradise at the end of times, the only paradise we are familiar with is the one in which man began. And so I want us to consider some situations and uh, uh, circumstances that were in Eden when Adam and Eve were walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day. They were walking with him face to face. There was no barrier between them and this holy God because they too were holy. And when... Uh, I hear people talk about the age of the earth being 6,000 or 11,000 years old. One of my questions, as you all have heard me before, if, if you've been with me long enough, is if you can tell me how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before they sinned, then I'll buy into possibly the earth being 6,000 or 11,000 years old. But we have no concept of how long in earth time they were existing with God in the garden in perfection. And as long as there was not sin upon man, sin visiting the garden, then paradise, the Garden of Eden, was a timeless place. Time as we know it did not exist in Eden. Because time, which is a mystery to us, Time is that item which counts down to an end, which marks a beginning and an end. And if there was no end in Eden, if there was no dying in Eden, then time as you and I know it uh, did not exist uh, in Eden. Uh, time as a bookend between a beginning and an end. Uh, God as holy and sinless is outside of time. Time is unique to earth. Elsewhere in the unfallen, unblemished realm, 
time that marks the beginning and the end of things uh, does not exist. So here on this planet, we are in a warp. We are in the time warp. Um, eternity is the norm. And we are the aberration. But in the Garden of Eden, um, not until sin came, do we find time being marked as we understand it to be. Uh, if you look, for instance, in Genesis 2, it speaks of the generations of the heaven and the earth. But look how it explains the generations of the heaven and the earth in verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And then it goes into a sequential uh, rendering of the generations of the heaven and the earth and how they were created. Once Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, time, uh, the understanding of seasons, times and seasons, which did exist in the garden, uh, time was maybe a marking of the passing of seasons because God created uh, the seasons um, as, as a, a passage, a marker. But he didn't create time as a marker, not as we understand it. So you have the generations here in, in chapter 2, the generations of the heaven and earth being described completely differently than you have over in Genesis 5 verse 1, uh, a different kind of generations. After Adam and Eve have been expelled from the garden in chapter 5 of uh, Genesis verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And notice how the understanding of generations has changed. In that day that, uh, that God created man in the likeness of God made he him male and female. Verse 3, and Adam lived 130 years. All at once we have the marker of time. And he uh, birthed a son in his own likeness, called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after his, the birth of his son 807 years. The generations of Adam are completely differently marked than the generations of the heaven and the earth. Than the generations of the heavens and the earth. And I think this is because what we see once sin hit the planet, once sin hit the Garden of Eden, time began ticking in a different way. Time began ticking toward an end. So Adam and Eve began dying toward an end. And everything that has followed thereafter has had this sort of time marker on it that did not seem to exist in the Garden of Eden and the marking of the generations of the heavens and the earth. There was no dating of the heavens and the earth. There was just a sequential rendering of how creation occurred and, and the sequence of a creation. What about the day? The day? Pardon me? The day. 
Uh, yes, that, that was a marking, and it was for the measuring of seasons and the measuring uh, not of an end, but the measuring of seasons. And if you look at the, the first uh, four days, it wasn't until the fourth day that the sun itself was created. And yet he called day one, day two, and day three the same, using the same word, but there wasn't even a sun to mark the days as we know them to be now. I'm saying it's a term. And, and uh, in Second Peter 3, 8, Peter, in, in referencing the psalmist, but in, in paraphrasing him a little differently, says that with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So we see God is outside of time, but yet he is vitally involved in it. And so if you, if you look at the change uh, that we're all familiar with in Genesis 3 that came to earth, you know, as you all know, the, the entire world was sort of flipped on its axis and, and was ruptured by sin. And all of the laws of nature, the laws of biology and genetics and chemistry and physics were all radically altered. Because the plant life changed, uh, thorns and thistles grew, work became a toilsome thing. So the whole chemical, physical makeup of plant life changed. And the animals that were natural friends and compatible when sin hit, their whole makeup changed to be enemies. There was a radical change. And that was genetically passed on. So the laws of genetics were changed. The sin nature and, and the violent nature of certain animals against other animals where it was the survival of the fittest. That all changed genetically because it is now imprinted in the animal kingdom. We understand that if a rabbit runs out in front of a coyote, that coyote is going to go for it. We understand that if a mouse goes, uh, runs out in front of a cat, that cat's going to go for it. That's not them figuring it out. It is instinctive. And so this radical change that happened also included uh, this mystery that we call time as the marking not only of the beginning but of an end. And the measuring of things. Um, in hours and in years. Uh, and yes, there was time in the sense, Theresa, that the seasons marked the times and the seasons and, and uh, the passing of the seasonal things. But in terms of having any sense of lapse of time or time elapsed, you don't get that until Adam and Eve have left the garden. You don't get any sense of, you, there's no grand scripture that says how long Adam and Eve lived in the garden before they left it. Everything else tells us how long someone lived in the line of Christ. How long um, the children lived. So isn't it strange that there's nothing that says and Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden for 
you know, 5,200 years before they were expelled. We don't get that. We get it everywhere else, just about, but we don't get it there. And so if you could step back um, from Earth at this point of sin, if you could just step back and look and see what was going on, I think we get a, a picture, a figurative picture of that out of uh, Job 38. So let's turn to Job 38. Noting that the earth is radically shifting on its axis, not just physically and chemically and with the laws of nature, but it is shifting from a realm of light and perfection into a realm of darkness. Uh, from one ruler, the king of the universe, to the prince of the world, who is the emperor of the empire of hell. And we are now coming under his shadow and coming under his authority. Uh, but if we turn to Job, I think this, um, Job 38, I think this gives us sort of a figurative picture if we could step back and look at the planet at this moment of sin advent, uh, I think it may paint a bit of a picture for us of, of in a sense, what was going on. Uh, verse 8 is just a lead-in. Uh, verse 9 is the main focus here. Or who shut up? God is talking to, to Job. In verse 4, he says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, declare if you have understanding. Or who shut up? Verse 8, the sea with doors when it broke forth as if it had issued out of the womb, when I made the cloud the garment of earth, and thick darkness a swaddling band for it. When I made the cloud the garment, and thick darkness a swaddling band for earth. So I... Yeah, the picture I get here, what, what is a swaddling band? I, the King James is sort of, you know, archaic, but I love the archaic, so I'm, staying, I'm sticking with the King James. If it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. <laughs> yes, it is wrapped in thick darkness. I love the word swaddling band, though, because what's, what is swaddling cloth? Yes, it's like birthing clothes for the baby. I mean, once the baby is born, we wrap them real tightly in swaddling clothes and lay them in a manger or a crib. And so he, King James uses this swaddling band of darkness. In other words, if we could step back and see this planet shifting, in a sense, over into a darkened realm, it would be like God is drawing about planet Earth this moat of darkness, this closely wrapped planet in darkness, swaddling clothes of darkness, but in a sense, a birthing place, not just a dying place. I, and I will get to that later, but it's as though God drew about this planet once sin hit, a moat of this darkness, a, a quarantine of the planet, quarantining us from the rest of the unblemished realm, quarantining us in a physical garb of darkness. 
and I would also submit of time. So with this moat of darkness around this planet, and we now live in a darkened realm, Christ said many times in the book of John particularly, uh, he, uh, of Satan, speaking of Satan, he said he is the prince of the darkness of this world. We wrestle not in Ephesians 6 against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in high places in the darkness of this world. So the idea that this world is in darkness, those that are in darkness have seen a great light. Isaiah 61, part of the prophecy of Christ. And, and the word was light, and the light entered into the darkness, entered into the world in John 1, and the darkness did not comprehend the light. So there are all of these allusions to this world being in this darkened place. And I would submit to you this figurative passage here in um, Job 38 speaks to, in a sense, the bubble of time that wrapped itself around this planet. And it's now like we are this bubble of time afloat in a sea of eternity. And someone has described time as a pause in eternity to give God the chance to retrieve his earth. Time is a pause in eternity. Hence this bubble of time where we're just bobbing along in an eternal sea. A pause to give God the chance to get this earth and his people back. And so we look at what's in this bubble now that we're in. We are in a bubble. And um, we left paradise and entered time. And look at what happens in Revelation, chapter 10. This is just before the seventh angel is beginning to sound. And for those of you familiar with Revelation, which most of you are, um, the seventh trumpet, when it sounds, signals the uh, second coming of Christ, signals the end of the earth as we know it, signals Christ leaving Zion with a wall of fire in front of him, according to Psalm 50. Just before the trumpet sounds in uh, Revelation 10, look at uh, verse 6 and 7. And the angel swore by him that lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein, and earth and the things that are therein, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. King James uses time. Yours may use delay. Um, the word there is chronos, chronology. And it's a noun. And wherever I have looked where the noun is used, it references time. When it's used as a verb, it can be either time or delay, usually delay. And this is used as 